The Old Testament reading of today is from Lamentations 3, 19 to 27, on page 827 in your Bible. I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I well remember them, and my soul is downcast within me. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. Yet they are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man to bear the yoke while he is young. This is the word of the Lord. Our New Testament Gospel reading uh, is taken from John 14. Please turn to page 1082, 1082 in your pew Bibles. The bulletin says we'll be reading from verses 5 to 8, but we'll go ahead and start in verse 1. Verse 1 to 8, John chapter 14. Please follow along with me. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, so that you also may be where I am. You know the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And if you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. This, too, is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This morning, I will be talking primarily on the passage we read from the book of Lamentations, uh, but we'll be talking about John 14 a little bit as well. Uh, and I've titled this sermon, What Do You Mean? You know, you guys ever read something in scripture and just wonder what in the world did the writer mean by this? I mean, sure, revelations, but uh, there's so much more in scripture that sometimes when I read, I remember thinking the first time I read it, even now, God, what in the world did you mean by this? God, why is this in scripture? You know, and this book of Lamentations is, is so hard for us to understand today because it's a book of exactly that, laments. It's a book of sadness. It is quite literally a giant poem about sadness. And, and as many of us may know, we've experienced some suffering, we've experienced some hardships in our life, but if you read through this book or other books in the New Testament, these laments say things that are very difficult. These laments talk about how Jerusalem was once a great and mighty city and now 
the teachers of the law and the rulers are begging for food in the streets. And not many of us have had to beg for food in the streets. And we read these things, we sort of wonder, God, what does this mean? How do I deal with this? You know, well, let me first start just in general by talking about lament. You know, lament is a good thing to do. Many of us have realized this. Many of us know this. And in this book, the writer is writing about his or her or their experience. It is a poem about the hardships of Jerusalem. If you've forgotten what happened after King David and Solomon and all the the grandeur of the nation of Israel was that they were split into a northern and a southern kingdom. And after a time, the northern kingdom was invaded and, and taken into exile by Assyria. And then a time later, the Babylonians or the Chaldeans came and took the southern kingdom. And what happened was, is that Israel, and if you read the first three chapters of of Lamentations, or Judah, rather, excuse me, the southern kingdom, Jerusalem was the last thing that stood out. Jerusalem was the last thing that withheld this invasion. But it too once fell. And the first couple of chapters of the book of Lamentation give lots of details about how Jerusalem was once a great and mighty city, and then now is just in rubble. That the young, brightest leaders were taken into slavery. That those who used to rule and used to make the decisions are now, as I said, begging for food. And, and, and this book, in fact, is actually a beautifully written poem. That wasn't just someone writing and spouting off, I'm angry, this happened, this happened, this happened. But it's an acrostic like we talked about with the children's sermon. The writer, the poet, took the Hebrew alphabet and in each chapter wrote a line or a verse or a stanza, excuse me, about what was happening and what had happened. The writer took time. The writer was deliberate. The author of Lamentations took very intentional steps to talk about these things and do it in a way as they processed through them. When was the last time you read some of these hard books? Because as I was reading this book this week, man, I found so much wonderful truth in it. And maybe the last time you read Lamentations was you were doing the the Bible cover to cover. (laughs) And when you got there, you just sort of powered through it. Maybe you did one of those Bible in one year things where you just read a a section of it each time and each time you you hit it and you you thought about it, you just sort of wondered, I don't really know what to do with this. I'm just going to focus on the the letter to Corinthians. (laughs) I I don't know what to do with this. I'm just going to meditate on the psalm for the day instead because I don't know what to do with this. I confess I do that. You know, and honestly, this book might be one of the hardest verses for us to understand. You know, maybe up there with the Song of Solomon as one of the hardest books to to understand, at least for me, in Scripture. But I think it's worth looking at, and I think it's worth talking about some of the themes in this book, because the hard things addressed in this book oftentimes fit with much of the hard things we experience in life. And and the text we read today was from chapter 3, right in the middle of the book. And it's one of the the more hopeful sections in the whole book. Right? But... I encourage you this week, read the beginning of chapter 3, verses 1 to 18, and it talks about all the hardship and how God had sent suffering and God had sent pain and that the writer is wondering why God has done these things. You know, the purpose of lament, as I mentioned, in life is a very important one. And if any of you have ever been through trauma, suffering, 
I mean, and when I say trauma, I mean things where you went to counseling and, and you went to a therapy uh, once, twice, maybe for years, and to try to process the things you've experienced in life. And we know that clinically therapists and counselors say now that these are the things we must do. We must actually go back if there are traumatic events in our life that we must understand them. We may not know how to deal with all of the things that come with it, but that we should be able to lament on the hard things that we have gone through. And this is why so many people avoid it because I don't want to dig up past things. I don't want to stir up that stuff. I don't want to deal with it. It's over. It's done with. But sometimes we need to relive or sometimes we need to meditate on hard things because it's a vital path to healing. And if you look at the verse 19 and 20 in Lamentations that we just read, the poet here is doing just that. He says, I remember these things. I remember what happened. And my soul is downcast. I remember what happened, Lord. I'm meditating. I'm thinking about what has happened to Jerusalem, to me, and I am sad. You know, and the logical answer is probably something along the lines of, why would we do that? Why remember if it makes you so sad? Well, anyone who's ever gone through something hard, anyone who's ever really had undealt trauma or pain in their life knows that it comes out anyways. Anyone who ever struggles, besides me, with bottling up their feelings knows that eventually those feelings from hardship and trial will come out. Oftentimes, it's when we don't want them to. Oftentimes, it's with a person we love dearly. And we know that it doesn't work. We know that avoidance, as we grow, as we become mature, we know that avoidance does not work. They will come out. By the way, just anecdotally, for those of us who who also struggle with this, one of the things I've found to be true in my life is not only that emotions, if we bottle them up, will always come out in some way or another, but that lies also will one day also come out. That, that even if we try to control our emotions or we try to control our lies, that lies sort of work in the same way and they eventually work their way out. Let me remind you, church, brothers and sisters in Christ, we cannot outrun our pain. You cannot cover up your pain with good deeds. You cannot pretend it didn't happen by simply ignoring it. Like Job, the famous sad person of the entire Old Testament, we must just be willing to sit in it. And this is why we have the book of Lamentations in Scripture. This is why it is considered an important book alongside Psalms and Proverbs, because we must learn to do the same. The poet wanted to express his feelings about what God had done and especially about what God had left undone. God, why are you not here? Why am I still in pain? He was sad. Maybe he was angry. And I've said this before to many of you and I I think I've even taught on it before, but when we are sad, when we are angry, when we are afraid, when we feel that injustice has been committed, let me encourage you. Brothers and sisters in Christ, find a healthy outlet to do this. Find someone you can talk to. Find someone who can you, you can lament with. Find someone who, like Job, will just sit and be sad with you. Not tell you how to fix it. Not, 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 not tell you what you did wrong. But just someone who loves you. Who wants to sit with you in the midst of your pain. And in the appropriate venue, in the appropriate venue, this can bring great healing and understanding. 
Because when we cover up our pain and feelings and pretend it didn't happen, when we, when we cover up that which hurts us and we pretend it doesn't affect us, what it does is it keeps it in the dark. And by giving a name to it, by talking about it, by bringing these things up with people we love and trust, it sheds the light of Christ on them and takes the power away from them, takes the power of darkness away from them. And unfortunately, many, Christi- many critics excuse me, of Christianity will point to the suffering in Scripture and they'll say things like, well, this is why I don't believe in God. Look at all the evil, look at all the suffering, look at all the pain, how could there be a God? But here's the great part about the book of Lamentations. Here's what I love about analyzing and being honest about our pain. If you look down in Lamentations chapter 3, if you still have your Bibles open or if you want to turn there, you can. But just listen if, if you don't. Verses 37, 38, and 39 of Lamentations chapter 3. The poet, the author says this. After talking about all these, the hope of God and the destruction and all the hardships going on, he says, who, verse 37, who can speak and have it happen if the Lord has not decreed it? Is it not from the mouth of the Most High that both calamities and good things come? Why should the living complain when punished for their sins? And I'm reading this and I'm thinking, Who's in control here? I mean, whenever I've tried to be controlling, whenever I've tried to manage everything in my life and be perfect in my own life, we know it's like grasping at sand on the beach, right? It just starts to fall through our fingers and we try to get more and we just lose it all. And the prophet is saying in this instance, the writer of Lamentations is saying in this instance that God did it, that God brought the hardship to Jerusalem because God said he would bring the hardship to Jerusalem. If you read through the minor prophets, it wasn't just one day God decided, I'm going to punish you. It was time and time again, turn from your evil, turn from injustice, stop doing the things you know you shouldn't be doing over and over and over and over and over and over again. And and the writer is basically saying, this is our fault. We saw this coming, God told us he would do it and he did it. Yes, God judged the evil deeds of Jerusalem and its people, but he fulfilled his promise. By doing so, he fulfilled what he said he would do. And here is the hope. Here is what I love about lament and about this book, is that if God fulfilled his promise, will he not also fulfill the promises he has made to us? If God fulfilled the promise to judge the people and to be a parent and to love and chastise those he loved, will he also not be a God who fulfills the promises of love and grace for eternity? If God has done what he said he would do, will he not continue to always do what he has said? If God has done this thing, he will do the other things he's done or said he will do. And we believe in a God who does this. We believe in a God who follows through on his commands and what he has told us. If he did the bad, he will also do the good. And so if in this instance it is God who sent the suffering to the people and lamentations, then we can also trust that God will also do the good that we see in Scripture. That God will also bring the joy that we see in Scripture. What else has God said he would do? Well, we just read one of the most joyful passages 
in John chapter 14 about what God said he will do. I am going to prepare a place for you. In my Father's house there are many rooms and I'm going to prepare a place for you. What else did he promise? In Hebrews, he says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. In Matthew 6, he says, do not be anxious. Do not be afraid. Your Father in heaven knows exactly what you need. We could keep going, right? Think of the promises of God. Think of the things God has promised you, the things that brought you near to God in your walk to worship Him. For me, I think of one of the most important promises I remember reading, and I remember reading it, and I remember the day I heard it for the first time. As a child who grew up without a father figure in my life, without a dad in my life, I remember for the first time, and still have it memorized, Psalm 68.5, that God is a father to the fatherless. And I cling to it. If God has done the hard things in Scripture, He will also do the good things in Scripture. What are the promises God has made to you to draw you nearer to Him? And when you encounter hardship, and when you encounter lament, and when you encounter difficulty, know that even though there is pain, even though there is suffering, that God also has given you promises for joy and for peace. If God has been faithful with what he said before, he will be faithful for what he has promised for our future. So when I ask that question, what does God mean by some of these texts in the Old Testament? What does God mean by saying that I have sent the Babylonians to judge you in Habakkuk chapter 2? God means that he is faithful to do what he said he would do. God means that he will follow through on his promises. God means that even though there's hardship, even though there is suffering, he will be there for us. We know that the whole of creation is waiting for God. It's not just us. We know that there is hardship, that there is calamity. We know that there is difficulty. We know that there are natural disasters and there is death and we wonder, what is God's timing and plan? What is God doing here? When I read the Old Testament and I see some of the hardships and I see some of the pain, I see how God answered and I see how God did what he said he would do. And I realize that we don't know God's timing, we don't know God's plan, but what God is doing is he's revealing himself to you that you would trust in the promises he's given you. And that he is the only one of us in this room who has not been proven a fool by saying they would do something and not done it. Every single one of us, probably in the last three to five days, can probably point to something we said we would do and did not follow through. And yet God has never not followed through on a promise. And this lamentation, to me, reminds me of that. We see the promises of God all around us. So brothers and sisters, let us trust in them. Let us believe in the good that is coming when we place our hope and trust in Jesus Christ. And I mentioned Job before. And after the, the difficulties happened to his life that were allowed or sent by God, however you want to argue it, he was not alone. You know, last week Steve stood up here and talked about how we as a church need to come together and do these things together. So let me encourage you. Let us also be willing to lament together. Let us also be willing to sit in these difficult times together and focus on what God has promised us. That though we may suffer now, it is not only producing perseverance and character, 
But when compared to the eternal glory prepared for you, that room that Jesus has gone and prepared a place for you, that you can trust the promises of God. And that while we may suffer, we know what is to come. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you. Lord, I thank you for whoever wrote this book of Lamentations. And I thank you that they were honest with their pain, with their struggle, with their suffering. Lord, I thank you that they took the time to write a beautiful poem that we might read and realize it points to you being who you say you are. That you are good. You will not let evil and injustice go by unpunished. And Lord, that same God, you, Lord, that same God who has done these things we read about God is the same God who says, I go and I've prepared a place for you. You are my son. You are my daughter whom I love. Thank you for that, Lord. May we cling to your promises, Lord. May we cling to your scripture. May we cling to prayer and to mourning with one another that though suffering may be temporal, God, we know the grace and love you offer is eternal. Let us cling to the hope. Let us trust in the promises. Today, tomorrow, and forevermore, Lord, we pray. Amen.